Some of you may have noticed that Pastor Shane is preaching today. I just don't look like him. Uh, Emily's been sick for a week and a half, and Shane uh, has been sick the last couple of days, and so uh, we made a switcheroo. So here I am today. I'm glad you're here today. What a, what a joy it is to celebrate the first Sunday of Advent. For some people, they kind of look forward to it on the calendar, and some people probably come and don't even think about it, but... Boy, what an opportunity it is for us as we, uh, again, Christmas is every Sunday, but to especially focus on Christmas. One person did tell me this morning that this was their favorite Sunday of the year. Oh, that's neat. I was glad to hear that. Um, uh, What a joy it is. And I hope that you will, in this season, be able to sense the beauty and wonder of the Christmas story and the meaning of it. In some ways, it just seems like there, it seems to me, for so many people, there's so many things that are pressing in around them right now. And for some people, that's pretty hard. I understand that. Others aren't affected by that, but I pray and I hope and I sense as you are here today and you're able to to listen and be a part of this service that you will sense and anticipate have a great expectation of what God wants to do in your life and uh, in this community and in the lives of your family. I'm glad you're here today. I hope that you can cherish this season and I hope you can hear God's uh, voice again in the Christmas story. Every year when I read the Christmas story, I think, oh, what? God help me to, to sense what you want me to this year. And uh, the Christmas story just has so many different parts and things in it and every year I believe for those that have a a kind of a heart that turns and listens and focus and God can have something special every time we read the Christmas story and I am thankful for that I want to draw your attention today to the person of Joseph in the Christmas story Uh, Matthew begins his telling of the Christmas story with Joseph. Joseph was very important for a number of reasons, I believe, to Matthew. Joseph represented the continuity of God's plan through the Jewish people to bring the Messiah. And so uh, Matthew begins with that genealogy, and, and he describes that. And he gives us a great picture also. It's a short picture. You might say it's a snapshot of the character of Joseph. And today, I I really want to focus on some things about the character of of Joseph. And really, how precious this man is, I believe, not only to the the Christmas story, but how precious some things are in this story about Joseph that I believe that God's Spirit can speak to me about. Truly, Joseph is an incredible example of, of some certain qualities that I think are outstanding. And so today, as I talk about Joseph, and I come toward the end of my message, I want to share with you five things about Joseph that speak to my heart and my life about who I am and how I live my life. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 1, and I want to read verses 18 through the end of the chapter. Would you stand for the reading of this part of the Christmas story today and this incredible 
man and this incredible lady. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Thank you. You may be seated. What kind of man is this Joseph? Who was he? What was he? Why did he think the way that he did? And most important, what can we learn from Joseph? Interesting, the story of Joseph is found, his name in three or four chapters of the Bible. That's not a lot compared to some of the people in the Bible and even some things about Mary and three or four chapters. Matthew chapter 1 primarily being the chapter that most tells us about Joseph's life. In three or four chapters, we don't know a lot about him, but we know a few things about him. Could I get you to go on to that next slide, please? Thank you. Joseph was an amazing treasure. His ability to take in the circumstances of his life and to uh, be able to deal with them and say what he did and do what he did is an amazing story. And so today, I want to look at these qualities and uh, these characteristics of his life. I'm afraid maybe my button's not working down here. I'm not sure. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for going on there. I wanted to talk this morning about a little bit about the Jewish wedding and the betrothal that was an important part of the Jewish wedding ceremony. In Joseph's day, the betrothal was the first of three things that took place between a young Jewish man and a young Jewish girl. And it was very important. It was a cultural event. It was a family event. And it was so important for a Jewish couple to come together. They came and both the groom and the bride would be asked certain questions and before their families they would exchange vows. Kind of what we think of as the wedding vows. They would make promises to each other. And it would be sealed often with a symbol that designated what they believed and why. 
the betrothal was very big. It wasn't a minor thing, but it was a very major thing. And then there would be the time of preparation after that betrothal ceremony. The betrothal, the, the common or the average for a Jewish girl was between the ages of 14 and 16. And for a Jewish young man, it would be between 17 and 20. Most Jewish marriages, the man was three or four years older than the woman. The vows are exchanged. And they are legally married in the eyes of the Jewish people. Of course, we know that they live apart during that time. They live in each of their own homes. And there's a time period that goes by of preparation. It's a time of waiting. It's a time of great anticipation and planning. And for both the bride and her family and the groom and his family, it was a marvelous time of getting ready for the event of the wedding feast. And it was an event that would take place sometimes... Uh, six months up to two or three or four years, depending on how old the bride was and how old the groom was. The time of preparation was very important. The man had things he was supposed to do. The bride had things she was supposed to do. And both of their families also had things that they were supposed to do. And then at the end of that time period, fully planned and announced would come the wedding feast of which we read about in Jesus' first public miracle. And we kind of get a sense when we read that story how big and important it is. But the wedding feast for the Jewish people in this day was extremely important. It was big. A lot of people came. And it wasn't like our weddings where you go at 1 o'clock, the ceremony's done by 2, they take pictures for 5 hours, and then you go to the, then you go to the, uh, uh, to the reception. And that's all evening, and by 10 o'clock, everybody goes home exhausted, especially the parents. Well, can you imagine doing that for seven days? The Jewish people had a ritual of seven days of various parts of the wedding feast that took place, and there was just, just an enormous amount of preparation. There are a lot of finances that were tied up in that, financial arrangements that needed to be made for both the new couple and for the parents, especially of the groom who would throw the big party and all that went with that. This time of betrothal and the time of preparation was very important to the Jewish people. Going back to Joseph, his story is found in three or four chapters of Matthew and Luke. There's something else I noticed when I read yesterday all the things about Joseph that I could find, and that is never anywhere in the Bible do we, do we read of a recorded word that Joseph spoke. Unless I missed it, I thought that caught my attention. Joseph never speaks throughout this whole experience. He just, he was a man of few words. No, it's just not recorded, I'm sure. But it was interesting to me that Joseph's words are never recorded. As if he just took life and he responded and he acted, and he responded, and he acted, and he thought. I'm sure he spoke. But the Bible doesn't tell us a thing that Joseph said. But it tells us a whole lot about what he did and his character and how he looked at his life. And that to me is beautiful and it's something to, to be thankful for. His character speaks volumes. And, uh, and I believe we can learn so much from his character. His actions are powerful. He had incredible 
actions that made a difference in the lives of so many people. To me, I just think that Joseph is one of the great treasures within a Christmas story. And uh, I love to think about him. So what do we do with Mary and Joseph when Joseph hears the news? They're in that time of preparation. Suddenly, the news came to Joseph. Somewhere between probably six to eight months or so into the pregnancy, he finds out that his beloved Mary is pregnant. He really had two choices as a young Jewish man who loved the law and loved God. He had two choices. He could divorce Mary publicly. That's what some men would do. It would be a time of public humiliation. It would be a time of vindication for his character. It would be a time of punishment. For the offender. For some men, I'm sure it would be a place of personal pride. What had been done to him and how wrong it was. Or he could divorce her privately. That was also allowed by the law. If the man does not accuse, the writ of divorcement would be made. And it would be over. Never really over. But over. We've probably all thought about the emotions that Joseph experienced. And Mary. But today, Joseph he had to have had a lot of emotions. Shock. Betrayal. Maybe anger. Certainly disappointment. Disillusionment. Fear. Self-doubts. My life is gone. Who am I and why would God allow this to happen to me? To me, Joseph is one of the great characters of the Bible. But it's also evidence that good people have to deal with hard emotions. All of us have emotions. This story a little bit to me is about that topic. Emotions. How hard life can be. Sometimes. All of us have emotions. You do and I do. Joseph did. 
So I'm first reminded today that if you struggle sometimes with your emotions, think about Joseph. Think about the other Joseph, for that matter, in the Old Testament, his emotions. Both Josephs in the Bible just remind me of of how life is full of dealing with emotions. And as Christians, we don't have any less than anybody else. And for some, they're harder. Some may be more negative than others. Some may not have the intensity and the problems like Joseph did. Both Josephs did in the Bible. But the reality is, all of us deal with negative emotions. What do we do with our negative emotions? We also have to deal with circumstances that interrupt our lives. We have not only our emotions to deal with, but we have circumstances that oftentimes we don't choose ourselves. But they're thrust upon us by events or life or problems or others or acts of nature or things that happen to some people, medical things. All of us have circumstances to deal with. And I would say in this story that Joseph had a unique set of circumstances. We all have a unique set of circumstances. Challenges to our lives. Challenges to our faith. Challenges to be the kind of Christian that God wants us to be. Challenges in our hearts and our spirit and our attitude and how we deal with people and how we handle adversity, how we handle pain. We all live with certain circumstances, sometimes that are very easy to deal with and sometimes that are not. But this story, as I just pause here with emotions and circumstances, I want to say as a Christian and as a person who cares about people and and you as well, that we don't live in this false world of denying our emotions Or how painful our circumstances are sometimes. And just go on with a plastic smile. Like, oh yeah, I'm fine. When maybe we're really not. I think there's a genuineness to this story that I like with Joseph. We all have these circumstances Depending how we deal with them, both the emotions and the circumstances determine our health, determine our relationship, our relationships, determine our influence, determine our stamina as Christians to stand up in a world that sometimes would knock us down and our influence as well. Joseph had this heartbreaking event in his life. I'll use another term to describe what Joseph dealt with here. Joseph had a moral dilemma. Sometimes we can't avoid moral dilemmas. There are times in life where we have sets of circumstances that seem like on one side we should look at it this way and on this side we should look at it that way and we're not always sure what the right thing to do is. Some people may feel strongly that this is the right course of action. And other people feel like this is the right course of action. Sometimes we simply don't know, but we have to choose. 
Sometimes we have to choose what is called, and this term that's used a lot, the lesser of two evils. Knowing that life sometimes is not perfect. I wonder how Joseph felt about his moral dilemma. If it stops, I'll move on. Joseph was in a moral dilemma. They too are a part of our lives, our emotions, our circumstances, and sometimes the moral dilemmas that come from them. What can we learn from Joseph in the midst of that? How did Joseph handle this moral dilemma? How did he handle the circumstances that any of us, who knows how we could have even thought to try to respond? Joseph was in that place, and it wasn't of his own choosing. Sometimes we face moral dilemmas because of our choices. But this wasn't the case with Joseph, although all he had done is really just loved up to this point. But yet he had to work through it, and he had to weigh it, and he had to measure it. How did he do it, and what did he, how did he handle it? First of all, I want to say of Joseph that he had an incredible love inside of him. He had an incredible love for Mary that's evident in everything that he does. He had an incredible love for God. He had an incredible love for doing what was right. He had an incredible love for the law, it says in the first few verses. Uh, uh, there's a lot of things that, that Joseph loved, and that helped him. Honestly, all these things that he had within him helped him to make a good decision, but it had to be hard. I believe also that Joseph loved honesty. This had to be hard. On the other hand, he also loved compassion. And I think sometimes what we need is a good combination of all these things in order to be balanced and to face the circumstances of life. And if any of those qualities are missing, then it makes us off balance in ways that sometimes creates conflict with other people. It makes it so we don't understand to perceive the things that God's Spirit would want us to do. If we are governed by love, then we can get through the moral dilemmas and circumstances that are beyond our control. Somehow, a genuine love keeps things in balance inside of us as we deal with things. Somewhere, somehow, Joseph had embraced the greatest commandment to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul, and all thy strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Somehow, Joseph had taken that greatest command that later Jesus would speak of, quoting from the book of Deuteronomy and pronounced throughout the, the New Testament. He had something inside of him of great love. You know, there's no substitute for love. There's no substitute for loving God. We can't make up for it. We can't do enough things that please God. And the same with people. If we don't love people like God wants us to, these qualities that are here will not carry us through. But I believe Joseph had this balance of great love. And that's beautiful to me. Somewhere, somehow, he had embraced that greatest commandment. Love the Lord thy God. All right, five lessons that I want to share today 
from this story that speak to me. Number one is this. Joseph chose kindness. Joseph chose the high road. In life, you will have many opportunities to either choose the high road or the low road. It will happen because people are less than perfect in your life. People will not always treat you like they should. People will not always treat you with love and kindness and maturity, but you have a choice to make. Do I take the high road or do I take the low road? Sometimes the moral dilemma is we're not sure how to do that or how to differentiate the two, but I think in, in Joseph's mind and heart, Joseph made the choice to take the high road. I want to say how important the high road is for the holy people of God. Holiness makes a difference in who we are and what we cherish and what we hold on to. Life will give you opportunities to choose the high road or the low road. But we, you, must decide. One road is harder than the other. And it's not always easy to see and understand. But which road you choose speaks volumes to the people around you in your life of what you really believe about the holiness of God and what He calls the Christian to. Somewhere in Joseph's heart, he is wrestling with this. What should I do? And he had chosen to take the high road. He decided, I will divorce Mary quietly. So as to not put her to a public disgrace. How about your road when you have conflicts? When you're hurt? When you have pain? Remember Joseph. Remember the high road. Closely related to that, the second thing that I want to share today is Joseph also chose to be merciful. Mercy. He cared more about Mary than what other people thought. He loved Mary more than making everybody else around him pleased with how he responded. I don't know what his family thought. They may have thought the same thing. I don't know what Mary's... We don't know. All those things that we might wonder about. But we do know that Joseph chose the path of mercy. And we have a choice to make when people let us down. We have a choice to make when people don't live up to what they should do and should be in life. Some do and say things that we can't undo or we really can't do anything about and we're just left with a pain. But there's a lot of situations in life that people fall short and we have an opportunity to show them God's mercy in the midst of it. And Joseph chose to be merciful. I said he loved Mary more than what other people thought. He also loved Mary more than his own pain. Sometimes our pain clouds our ability to be merciful. 
Merciful people are givers. They invest in other people. Mercy givers are, are uh, putting their assets into other people and their journey. They reflect Jesus' words from Matthew chapter 6, verse 32 that I want to read. If you love those who love you, what credit is it that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you can expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be called the children of the Most High because He is kind. Listen to this verse. Kind of blew me away. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Wow. He's kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Is there something about God's mercy that it's deep? And what gets me is he says, that's what we're to be as God's people in people's lives. We're not talking about something we can do in our own strength. Only in the power of His Spirit. The third thing that I want to say from this story, Joseph also listened to the Holy Spirit. Joseph was led by the Holy Spirit. In his sleep, in his emotions, in his circumstances, he still listened. He was able somehow to stop dealing with all that and simply listen for the Holy Spirit because he wanted to do the right thing. He quieted himself enough that God could speak to him. Somehow Joseph in his trying to weigh all this and his decision, he had to be quiet before God so that he could hear God. I think that is such a big key to this part of the story. Too often we fail to be quiet. We fail to be quiet when the circumstances are are rough. We fail to be quiet when we're in conflict. We're under pressure. We press on trying to do what's right. And maybe the best thing for us to do is to slow down and stop and thoroughly listen to what the Holy Spirit says to us. People who can't listen to the Holy Spirit wreck relationships. Joseph was able to listen and God spoke to him. I noticed that God came to him. God knew his heart. God knew how sincere he was. 
that he wanted to do what's right, and God didn't leave him without any direction or hope. He came, he gave, he gave uh, Joseph a third option that he wasn't even thinking he could do. See, Joseph thought he had two options. According to the Jewish law, he had two options. But God gave him another one because he listened to what he had to say. Maybe sometimes when we'd want to give up too soon, give up on a relationship, that maybe if God would help us to to slow down a little bit and listen, reflective listening. You're going to hear that term from me in 2022 quite a bit, Lord willing. I'm working on what I believe God wants us to do in 2022. And I wasn't going to talk about it today, but since I'm here, I want to stop and talk about it for a moment. I think I need to listen a little better. And I think we as God's people need to listen carefully for what God says to us about our future, about our lives, about our church. I'm saying today, I'm praying today, God, help me to listen. Help me to hear what you want to say to me. I don't want to live without the Holy Spirit's voice in my heart and my life. Number four, Joseph valued others more than his own rights. He could have demanded justice. We kind of said that already. You know that. Had he not listened to the Holy Spirit, he could have went the direction of demanding his own rights. Hey, I have a right to be upset. I have a right to demand this or that. I have a right to... Hold Mary accountable for her actions. But he valued Mary more than he did who was right. He valued Mary more than whether or not she was held accountable for what she had done. He could have demanded more, but instead he listened to the Spirit. I also think that if we stop and listen to the Spirit, God will help us not to react too quickly. Sometimes we react too quickly out of our emotions, out of our circumstances, maybe out of our dilemmas. And we get ahead of the Holy Spirit and ahead of God. Joseph was able to be patient and thoughtful And he made that choice to be a life giver. And I think that's a great example. He lived out the words of Philippians chapter 2, 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others better than yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Joseph seemed to live that out in his life and in his circumstances. Number five, Joseph trusted God with his life. 
He trusted God. All along the way, God would tell him, do this. Okay. Do this. Okay. And he just lived his life without a word being spoken that we heard. And what an impact this man made. I'd love to meet Joseph someday. Man, Joseph, how do you do that? His faith opened his future to God's plan. I'm so thankful today that Joseph chose well. I think he's a great example to us. Not that I'm making a saint out of him, although he's called St. Joseph by a lot of people. (laughs) It's just that we have the good parts, everything in his life. But can we not learn from this great man about how we deal with our circumstances, how we deal with our emotions? How we deal with our dilemmas. And how we put in practice the grace of God. Joseph chose God's grace. And I'm thankful for his life. I'm thankful for his influence. I'm thankful for an example today that can help me when I face things that are difficult and hard. Oh, come. O come, Emmanuel. We're going to ask our musicians to come and we're going to sing this song in closing today. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Would you stand together as we sing it in worship and acknowledgement of the great God who spoke to Joseph. God did not leave Joseph alone, but He spoke to him. And I'm thankful for that today. Would you sing with us?
Dear Jesus, we're so thankful that you came. We're thankful that you give us life and hope and thankful for the Holy Spirit that hears us in every circumstance of life. And as you were faithful to speak to Joseph, even before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit today, you've promised to be with us and speak to us. I'm so thankful for that today. Thank you for those that are here today. Bless them and those that are listening and those that aren't able to be here, God. May we sense your strength and your voice in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for being here today. Hope you have a good day. Bye-bye. Oh, wait a minute. Did I tell you tonight is the Mifflinburg tree lighting ceremony and caroling and cookies and all that? Anyway, it starts at... What did Rachel say on her... Five to eight. Okay. Thank you, Rachel. All right. If you're interested in being a part of that. Thank you. Bye-bye.